a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> like getting a song stuck in your head, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Nightmare song. I know. How do you, oh, isn't, right. isn't it awful? It's like you start singing It's a Small World After All, then all of a sudden it's there forever and it won't go away. That's what Table Talk That's Radio right. is like. That's right. Especially today's edition, because after buzzwords, uh, we're going to look at emails. I'm used to saying after buzzwords and emails, but we we do our new format now where we... Which is only emails only all emails. the time. <laughs> the best emails to uh, questions at tabletalkradio.org. We're going to be playing... We have meet- a ton of emails, by I the know. way. We This backlog of emails just keeps getting longer. It's true. Maybe one of these days we ought to do a marathon and try to knock out as many yeah. as we can. All right, that sounds like a good one. Uh, but we're going to do uh, this game, which we played, I think, once before. This is one of those classics that all the classics have been played once before on Table Talk Radio. This one, Meet My Neighbor the Colt Number. <laughs> I don't know why that one didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. All right. Uh, and then we're going to be doing a little uh, Biggest Loser, so kind of a throwback edition of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, this will be great. So let's hit the the buzzwords, uh, Pastor Wolfman. Uh, buzzword? My buzzword for you is neo paganism. Hmm. Where did it go? I've got it up here. I think this is important because pagan. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Pa- pagan apparently. I thought pagan. You could have a capital P pagan, but apparently not. Pagan was a Christian slur for people who are not Christian, apparently. But neo pagan is different. Neo pagan with a capital N. Uh, reading here from the internet. Modern paganism, or neo-paganism, can include reconstructed religions such as the cultus decorum Romanorum, Hellenic polytheism, Slavic neo-paganism called Rodnovery, Celtic reconstructionist paganism, or Germanic Germanic neo-paganism, as well as modern eclectic traditions such as Wicca and its many offshoots, and Discordianism. Man, this that whole sentence was like, 15 new theological buzzwords. Did you say discordianism? Yes. Is that like discord? Di- like So we have like Discor- con- we have like Concordia University, but this would be Discordia University. <laughs> discordianism is a religion and subsequent philosophy based on the veneration and worship of Eris, aka Discordia, the goddess of chaos, or as I prefer to say, chaos. Got it. Oh, okay. Or archetypes or ideals associated with her. It was founded in 1963, shock, and the publication of its holy book, Principia Discordia, written by Greg Hill with Carrie Wendell Thornley, working under the pseudonyms 
Macalypsis the Younger and Omar Kadaam Ravenhurst. <laughs> Whoa. That sounds like our, what were our nicknames? Lumpy Chunklebuns. That's my, the pseudonym. That's in the, in Wikipedia when we finally make it. It'll say Table Talk Radio, co-hosted by Brian Wolfmuller uh, and his pseudonym Lumpy Chunklebuns and Evan Gagline. What was your? I have no idea. What was your, I don't remember. I didn't, anyway, I didn't identify with mine as you did yours. <laughs> hey, lumpy, lumpy chunklebuns. That's what I think of myself now. That's what comes to mind. <laughs> Do you remember that lumpy chunklebuns had the last name chunklebuns? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Now, back to paganism. Uh, there's a th- neo-paganism, I mean. There's a way that, that our, we are devolving in the world, and our theology is becoming uh, less and less sensical. So, um, you know, we think that we look around and we're like, man, we're becoming secular. Nobody believes in anything anymore. And that is false because uh, as we theologically devolve and the and the kind of wave of Christianity rolls back, we become more and more pagan. And that is being that is seen, um, uh, especially by the revival of witchcraft and all these kind of neo-pagan things. So. Indeed, my theological buzzword for you is magi, which is like magic only without the C. And the magi refers to the wise men who came from the east to visit the incarnate son of God upon his birth. So uh, here we have uh, Christmas upon us, and then uh, Epiphany, we're going to be focusing on uh, the magi, who the Gentiles who come and worship this uh, this this Jesus, this, uh, this, Getting your... this God... Made flesh, yeah. Getting your theological buzzwords to prepare for your liturgical season. Yeah. By the way, before we jump into the game, Know Your Pagan Neighbor, I do see here an email. We asked if there was any listeners who were not on Facebook, and we got an email. Listener not on Facebook. That's funny that you had mentioned that, because I was just going to say that after you were going to say whatever you are going to say, because I have been getting emails nonstop ever since that show came out. I mean... Because because I think we encourage the listeners to email me directly, Evan at tabletalkradio.org. And it's just like this flood of emails every day. In fact, I think it's going to be helpful if we create a little network on the Internet where we can kind of keep in touch with one another and maybe share some pictures and stuff. Because um, we got to band together, you know. We, we can't just... Uh... The, the, the A Facebook. A Facebook. A Facebook. How do you say that? A Facebook. <laughs> I don't know. We'll need to ask our last speaking listeners. At Twitter. At Twitter. It'll be the anti-Twitter, the anti-Facebook. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. Don't you think that's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. All right. Good. Here's another one. Dear, another one not on Facebook. Dear Pastors, I was recently cheered by one of your episodes. No, episodes? Episodes. It wasn't the contest or your wit, but the fact that I've now found a fellow Luddite not on Facebook in Pastor Gigline. Yes. I, too, am not on Facebook. I was a Facebookite for quite a few years until I realized how much time, focus, and creativity it daily sucked out of my soul. Yeah. You got the picture? That that giant sucking sound is Facebook. <laughs> That's, you thought it was Table Talk Radio, but no. <laughs> it had effect on me bringing out the negative aspects of my personality, the angry ranter, the prejudiced uh, petty poophead. <laughs> Just reading what's here. Uh, and the obsessive status checker. I am now Facebook sober for over six months. And though I confess I relapsed earlier, I am genuinely much happier and more content. 
I do not claim that Facebook had the effect on everyone, but in my case, it really has been a good decision. Since I have a kind of a listener to your show, I wanted to respond to your appeal for the listener who is not on Facebook. There he is, Luke. Thanks, Luke. There you, yeah, there you go. You should join Boy. our anti-Facebook social networking thing. <laughs> okay. Now, on to the game. Know your pagan neighbor. What was it called? Uh, meet my neighbor, the cult member. Meet my professor, the cult member. Here is the first thing. I'm going to read, and you kind of try to figure out if you know. You could, you could comment and jump in and, okay. and make theological comment and then see if you know what the heck this thing is. Okay. This thing, <laughs> the name is funny. I want to say it just because it's so funny. Anyway, I can't. I'll give it away. Are those who have been called out as builders of the new. We build based upon ancient principles. Uh, what was already was, we now build again as we are passing out of an age of darkness into an age of light. There is work to be done in the fields, and the work, once done, must be maintained as maintains the heavens. Thus we are a most ancient order, extending back into the pre-dynastic uh, culture and spiritual traditions of Kemet and Nubia. The antiquity of the is evident in the cultural and spiritual tradition of called the Pstjat or Aeneid as documented in the pyramid text of the Old Kingdom, the oldest religion te religious text in the world. The apex of supremacy of cultivated in the founding of the city of Anu or Pera, House of Ra, during this same period and would reign supreme throughout the Kemetic history. Kemetic history. Are you getting all this? Yeah, so, so far I would summarize everything you just said to say this brrr, whatever it is that you're talking about, is uh, comes from an ancient old heresy. <laughs> but it's really old, is the point. It goes way back. <laughs> this is heterodoxy, or no, excuse me, this is, this is heresy uh, at its oldest. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Uh, I mean, was there anything greatly theological at, in all that you just said? Uh, no, uh, but here it is. It's coming. Ready? Ready. The daughters of light, radiant ones, luminous beings we are, who have ascended to become traversing the celestial plane of nut in the bark of millions of years. There's no question about there's being nuts in this thing. Standing in the company of the immortals, Neteru ancestors, giving command and direction thereby affirming power, dominion, and sovereignty in concert with and relation to all reality and phenomenon, immaterial and material. We bring forth the ancient wisdom teachings of our African ancestors. We restore balance and order to our community and to the earth. This is articulated as the practice and the observation of the laws of Ma'at. Huh. Okay, so um, this is obviously focusing on some kind of... Uh uh, African spiritual type religion, and um, uh, th this is going to be a denial of uh, Noah's flood, <laughs> and I'll explain why after this commercial break. What? Uh, yeah, done already. We got to take a break, and then we're going to learn some more things about my neighbor, the cult member, and uh, we'll be talking about that when we get back from this break. During this break, why don't you? Send us an email about anything you hear here on Table Talk Radio. Check in with our Facebook page. Questions at tabletalkradio.org or send us or give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA. You're listening to Table Talk Radio and we will be right back.
no heretics were harmed in the making of this show. Well, physically harmed. She's just a click away. She's got Facebook, MySpace, MSN too. She's got Bebo, YouTube. She's Twitter and you. Oh, man. She's Twittering too. But she don't want to know. I'm Apparently they have a lot of listeners who are not Of course. Here's another email from John in Nebraska. I don't think they get Facebook in Nebraska. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Hello, I'm writing in response to the comments on your most recent show in regards to Facebook. So if there are only six other listeners, as you've said, then at least 14% of us are not on social media. I don't. 50% of our hosts are not on social ministry. I know I don't know any other listeners, so I can't speak for them. I avoid it because of a deep suspicion that for anything to become so popular so fast, it must appeal to some aspect of our sinful nature. Ooh, <laughs> not a bad point there. <laughs> That's just really great. Eventually, philosophers and theologians will define this aspect, and society will move past it as the latest pop culture fad or not. Anyway, I'm enjoying holding out and intend to do so until the federal government mandates it or is the only remaining source on the earth to hear Lutheran teaching and preaching. On the other hand... I have little kids and less than healthy wife. Most of the time, I barely have time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe if I was actually looking for something to fill time, it might be a different story. Thanks for the show. It is worth my time. Ha! John in Nebraska. All right, John. John has some pretty good points there, and it's just around the corner, the the legal requirement to get Facebook. I'm sure. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how this thing didn't work that since you were forbidden to get Facebook— by your district president, how you didn't get it. Anyway, because you're not on Facebook, you missed the fact that our own Pastor Brian Flammy has published a great little article on worship on the LutheranReformation.org blog, mm -hmm. where he starts out, you want me to read, I'll read you, okay, since you asked, I'll read you a line from this. <laughs> hey, do tell more about this. Uh, here's the beginning. The world obsesses over worship. Now, that might be surprising, I'm, I add, but here he continues. Workaholics pour their waking moments into obtaining the all-important nest egg. Intellectuals strive after ideologies that master the transcendent mysteries of the universe. Muslims are taught by their Koran to compel obedience to their God through intimidation and murder. These are only some of the ways that the world's worship bows down and renders service to what's perceived as worthy. How about that? That's something. All right. Now, back to the game. Uh, know your professor, the cult member. Whoa, whoa. Do you mean neighbor? Neighbor. <laughs> I'm going to say the Brunner the, the, the adheres to the ancient instructions that an initiate to the African love and wisdom teachings must demonstrate mastery of the ten virtues as follows. Are you ready for the mastery of the ten virtues? Ready. Number one, control of thought. Number two, control of action number three devotion to one's purpose four faith in the master's ability to teach the truth five faith in one's ability to assimilate the truth sixth faith in oneself to act with wisdom oh Whoa. brother eight seven freedom from resentment under the experience of persecution bearing insult eight freedom from resentment under the experience of wrong bearing injury Nine, ability to distinguish between right and wrong. 
<laughs> There's some irony there. <laughs> Ten, ability to distinguish the real from the unreal. <laughs> so, so far, your neighbor here is failing at the last view. <laughs> now, I I can Dude, help like but irony notice. Irony on top of irony. It's like a punch. It's like punchlines to punchlines. <laughs> you can't even make this stuff up. I can't help but notice your neighbor here, the cult member, um, has particular principles of this belief system that have a lot to do with uh, us accomplishing the right things, be it the right self-control, um, the right ability to distinguish right and wrong, the ability um, to free oneself from resentment. And this sort of goes to what we normally say, doesn't it? That uh, that there's but two religions in the world, a religion of the law and a religion of grace. And uh, this, my friend, sounds a lot like that religion of law. It's like every other religion. I mean, what is different, really, if you boil it down, between this and any other religion in the world? Uh, uh, they got the pyramids on their side? Which which <laughs> makes me think, yeah. I mean, it makes me think that the, uh, the African what other sovereignty... Has... Isn't quite so sovereign. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Oh my goodness! Uh, do you have so another one, or is that? No, that's all I have on this. I mean, so you want to guess what it is? Oh yeah, this is. I don't know. I, I have no. <laughs> this is neo paganism. <laughs> well, it is. That's true. But this five hundred points. Is, no, this is the old. I, I actually maybe it's not true. This is the old paganism. This is the sacred order of the sons of Ra. You know Ra. That's the sun god from Egypt. That's the god that Moses was making fun of. Ra. Huh. Sheesh. Well, what a disaster. Well, I'm glad that uh, those of a, a Lutheran institution would not subject themselves to such ridiculous. <laughs> okay, here's another one. I got another one. You want oh, another yeah, one? No? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, this is a goddess. Uh, uh, you, you, I, and I'm just looking up information on this particular goddess that apparently is worshipped. Uh, I'll read you. You tell me what you want to hear. Appearance, water, sex, healing and fertility, origins and development, reemergence in contemporary times. Origins and development. Okay, where is that? Okay. It is believed that of all ancient Africa possessed a multitude of water spirit traditions before the first contact with Europeans. Most of these were regarded as female. Dual natures of good and evil were not uncommon, reflecting the fact that the water is an important meaning of providing communication, food, drink, trade, and transportation. But it can drown people, flood fields or villages, and provide passages to intruders. Van Stiprian suggests that she, this goddess, may be best based on the West African manatee which is an idea that has been pro uh, proposed by scientists of the Gahanian Council for Scientific and Industrial Research. In fact, is a common name for this animal in the region. Jill Salmons argues that the mermaid image may have come into being after contact with the Europeans. The ships of traders and slaves often had carvings of mermaid figures on their prows, for example, and tales of mermaids were popular among sailors at the time. On the other hand, white is traditionally associated with the spirit world in many cultures of Nigeria. The people of the Cross River area often whiten their skin with talcum or other substances for rituals and cosmetic reasons, for example. 
This is why Christian missionaries uh, made Africa their mission field, <laughs> to free them oh, from such oh, bondage of oh. false doctrine. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're such a typical Fort Wayne grad. <laughs> okay. I wanted to read out this appearance section. The appearance of her hair ranges from straight curly to kinky black and combined straight black. Is the pigeon English spelling of Mammy. Uh... This person is often described as a mermaid-like figure with a woman's upper body, often nude, and hindquarters of a fish or serpent. In other tales, she is fully human in appearance, though never human. The existence and spiritual importance of this person is deeply rooted in the ancient tradition and mythology of the coastal southeastern Nigerians. She often carries expensive baubles, such as combs, mirrors, and watches. A large snake symbol of divination frequently accompanies her, wrapping itself around her and laying its head between her breasts. Other times, she may try to pass as completely human, wandering busy markets or patronizing bars. <laughs> this is just crazy You know, stuff. just like those West African manatees. Weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I give up. I, you have stumped me completely on this. What's, what, what's the answer to this? Uh, this is Mami Wata. Mommy venerated Wata. in West Central and South Africa and the in the African diaspora to the Americas. Mommy Wata spirits are usually female, but sometimes male. There you go. How Mommy Wata. How on earth did you come across this? Uh, well, just so happens that th- I was just following links cause from this article called Concordia Irvine Employee, a Pagan Priest. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. So you're, you're telling me that... Uh, Concordia University, Irvine, has a professor that ascribes to this jargon? Yes. The controversial cleric is Dr. Salim Fariji, a man whose career reflects his opinion that spiritual diversity is a strength. <laughs> spiritual diversity is a strength. Oh, yeah. Well, he, He's a, he found diversity, that's for sure. He was a currently licensed preacher in the African Methodist Episcopal Church and was born uh, and was both initiated into the Mamiwata tradition of Ghana and is a priest of the Sacred Order of the Sons of Ra. <laughs> I don't know. This is like, hey, uh, I want to join the Sacred Order of Ra. Anyone got anything goofier? Oh yeah, here's the Mamiwati. <laughs> you could be uh, initiated in the Mamiwati things. Oh yeah, that'd be good for my. Uh, That'll be good for my, uh, what's it called? Curricula vitae for my resume, because I'm going to apply to teach at a Lutheran college. <laughs> and then this Lutheran college will say, I see you have an impressive resume. You're hired. <laughs> Tell me more about Nobby Wanty. Uh, yeah, I, I would expect uh, Concordia to have a little bit more discretion in hiring those um, who are going to be teaching in accordance with our faith and doctrine. Mm. Hmm. Uh, you know what I say? The lower your expectations, the less often you're disappointed. Well, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, after this commercial break... That's my theory for this radio show. <laughs> Lowering your expectations, one show at a time. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to play a modified version of Biggest Loser... That's when Pastor Wolfman gets on the treadmill. We see how many points he can lose in a matter of uh, the next 12 minutes. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
two theologians for the price of none. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, refusing to do show kind of prep since 2005. Kind of a peaceful bump. And to that end, we got an email at questions at tabletalkradio.org. That is uh, in subject line, interweb thoughts on Galatians, never tire of doing good. And the email says, pastors, gig line, and Wolfmuller. Actually, reverse the order because I wanted to be first. In preparing to teach on Galatians 6, 6 through 10, with emphasis on 9, which says, And let us not uh, grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if you do not give up. It's verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Yes. Uh, this emailer uh, named... Chris gives us two videos. The first one is from what he calls a Baptisty type preacher, and the second one he uh, from a uh, a young lady. He says uh, uh, denomination or non denomination unknown. Um, but he wanted us to kind of do a little review of these of these little sermons. So, okay. what do you say? Should we, should we tune in, listen to some of this, and and see if there's something to talk about here? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, here's the first one, which is. Um, uh, this the Baptisty preacher, as he calls it, and they don't know what's going on. Where there's several things going on. Does your organist do that, by the way, when you preach? That sounds ex- like an exciting place to be. <laughs> Much more exciting than Hope Lutheran, that's for sure. I know. <laughs> Quiet down. First of all, that scripture. Galatians 6, 9. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. That resonated with some people. And they said, that's my scripture for today. And they said, we're going to plant a seed right there in that word. And so that's why they're running up here and putting this money up here. They're resonating with that word. <laughs> now, hold up. up here. Oh, so, my goodness. So, you know, if that word resonated with you, just kind of come up and lay some money up there in the front. And, and they're planning if you're a seat. neo-pagan and it doesn't, <laughs> then don't worry. We know who you are. We see you there sitting there. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so what's the doctrine there? What's the what's the interpretation of the text? Uh, okay, so the interpretation of the text. Let me let me read again the verse. The verse uh, nine says, "And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap." So if we do not give up, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, as especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if we're going to reap, we have to. So I see. Yeah, look at verse eight. The one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now, uh, to the one who sows. A couple bucks to this preacher. I wonder what they reap. Um, a few more bucks or something. I don't know. Probably the, the clapping of the people in the audience is uh, probably the big A new pipe organ, get. perhaps. Do you hear that thing? Yeah. It's a sound, he comes with his own soundtrack. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's hear a little bit more, and then um, I would like your uh, preaching on Galatians 6th night. <laughs> okay. 
Then you saw some people dancing and running. There's two kinds of people dancing and running. They're the people who know that that scripture is true. And they have experienced a due season in their life. And they shouting and thinking about where God brought them from. And they're shouting about how God delivered them. But hold up. There's a second group who are saying, I'm not there yet, but I don't have to wait for it to happen. I'm going to go ahead and praise him right now. I, I can't help but I can't help but wonder if the music and the clapping and the dancing and other things going on is just a distraction from what he's saying. So, no. so that hopefully nobody is listening. To oh, the oh, oh that that's your that's your hopes and prayer. That's putting <laughs> that's if you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. I mean, what was the preaching about? I don't know. About I love it. It was going on, man. It was happening. That was like. But Club did you hear River, that? There's two there. types of people that those who have been moved, who have been rescued by God and moved by the Spirit, and those who are pretending to have been rescued by God. <laughs> they don't have to wait for the rescue of God. They're gonna act like it right now. Oh, okay, so give me a diagnosis, and then I want you to help me understand Galatians nine six. Well, do do we want to listen to that other preacher uh, as well? Uh, okay, uh, diagnosis first, and then we'll do the okay. other preacher. So, so here's the, here is it, it is is the sowing and reaping is simply giving money to the church and getting God's benefit from it, and this is the classic picture of the um, of the prosperity gospel and really how they run things. You give to the church. And then uh, you get blessings from God in your earthly life, and it's really that simple. It's a, uh, it's completely pagan, really, uh, utterly pagan. That's how the pagan gods worshipped uh, worked. You gotta appease them by your offering, and then they would bless you with earthly riches. Okay, entry number two is not a pastor or preacher per se, but a YouTuber. <laughs> Goes by the username J Tracy. And has forty nine thousand six hundred and twenty seven uh, subscribers. How many Almost subscribers? How many subscribers does Grappling with the Text have? At least nineteen. Nineteen. I right. just I just checked to make sure it's got more than Table Talk Radio listeners, <laughs> which is true. It does. I want this to be my best failure. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, this is a video entitled "Always Do the Right Thing." Galatians six nine. This is a reminder that every day is a fork in the road. You know what's right. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And in those times when you don't really know what to do, you at least know what you're not supposed to be doing. Too many times we go the wrong way, not because it looks right, but because it looks good. Not because it feels right, but because it feels good. We focus on feeling good instead of being righteous. Doing what's right according to a higher power. Humbly living according to a moral code that none of us are wise enough to come up with on our own. Which is why we can't be self-righteous walking around like we're above it all. Because we all take the easy way out sometimes. That's because often, not always, but often, doing the right thing will hurt a little bit at first. It requires a little sacrifice and a lot of self-control. It may not make you look cool to the rest of the world. You may not be able to see how it's all gonna work out in your favor. But in the end, doing the right thing always pays off. And when you do the wrong thing, you will always have consequences to pay. And deferred pain charges interest. The longer you wait to make things right, the more suffering you create for yourself. 
When you do the right thing, the right things come into your life. When you do the wrong thing, the wrong things will come into your life. And they will be wolves and sheep. Oh, did clothing. you hear that? Those yeah. When you do the right thing, right things come. When you do the wrong thing, wrong. It's like we, it, there's like, this is the, it's, it's kind of a subset of this prosperity gospel. And it's like the moral magnet. So you do ah. good and then good things happen. You do bad and bad things happen. There, there is, I mean, there is consequences both to uh, keeping God's law and to breaking it, uh, both temporal and, and also eternal. So I don't want to say that that's wrong, but this idea that, you can kind of attract goodness by doing good. Um, the kind of moral magnet theory, uh, I'm not sure, comes from the Scripture. I wish Jesus would have known that. <laughs> or Paul. Yeah, he did a lot of good, and it seems like a lot of bad came to him. <laughs> See, there, because there's two, we always forget that there's two things. I mean, there is God cr created this world in a certain order, and that order is um, has a lot to do with the Ten Commandments, which means that, for example, if you don't steal anything, you most of the time don't go to jail for theft. But it's not always true. Sometimes you do get falsely accused and so forth. Uh, so, so there, but there is generally blessing that comes from keeping God's law. But at the same time, the devil comes along and attacks the Christian who is trying to love God and the neighbor. And so while there might be a benefit for keeping the law, the law there's, al there's also persecution that comes even from doing good. And that's what Peter talks about. Don't, do not um, uh, be surprised when this fiery trial comes upon you for doing good. Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. I was looking at her next video called Armpit Hair and Other Confusing Things. <laughs> anyway. It's just as bad as Facebook. <laughs> okay, so... Um, in how much time do we have left? In a minute and a half. What is Galatians six nine talking about? Well, there is a, a kind of a, a spiritual. I don't know if it's called a law, but a teaching uh, that that Paul gives. One who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So to sow to the flesh means to chase after the desires of the flesh, to live uh, a, a lawless life. Uh, 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 according to our own lusts and, and godless desires. Or, on the other hand, it is to live the life full of good works through which we have uh, pride in our own goodness. To sow to the Spirit is to, uh, in fact, believe in God's Word. The Spirit, uh, Paul just uh, is going to say, uh, where was he at? No, no, that's Ephesians 6, not a Galatians 6. This, but anyway, St. Paul, he says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So to sow to the Spirit means to believe God's Word, to believe His Word that condemns you, the law, and especially to believe His Word that forgives your sins. I mean, that's what it means to sow to the Spirit. It means to listen to the voice of Jesus. And when we sow to the Spirit, in other words, trust the Spirit's Word and forgiveness, then we reap eternal life, not by our own doing, but by God's mercy. So I can't just leave money up on the stage next to the preacher and I'm going to get more money back? You either got to be dancing because you feel it or dancing because you're faking it. <laughs> either well, way you're dancing, brother. I'm dancing because I fake it on this show. Well, we're going to be back and play a little uh, round of Name That Theologian and Pastor Wolfman. You're going to be guessing some theolo theological quotes that I, I have for you. I tear it up. You have to see if oh, you can outcome the My Table Talk radio points which I earned when playing... Meet my neighbor, the cult member. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tabletop Radio. Oh, 
Table Talk Radio. It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money, that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God throughout the world. Pastor Wolf Miller, you get three and only three rounds of Name That Theologian to try and guess who right. this theologian is, and All I'll right. start right away. It says, but uh, because mention is made... Wait, I know it. I know it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. No, you have to guess now. Sorry. You, you hit the buzzer. Oh, okay. Ciller, Cyril of Alexandria. What? No. Boom! Okay. Ready? But because <laughs> mention is made of this latter in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we should look at rather at we should look rather at that text. For here, the Lord Himself seems to interpret this picture. When Philip brings Nathaniel to Christ, he says, "Behold, an Israelite indeed." Here, as Augustine says, he reminds us of that latter of Jacob, who is called Israel. This is what Christ says: "Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe?" The, you shall see greater things than these. And he adds, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We should believe and be contented with the explanation of our Savior, for he has a better understanding than all of the interpreters, even though they agree properly at this point that this dream signified that infinite, inexpressible, and wondrous mystery of the incarnation of Christ, who was to de- descend from the patriarch Jacob, as God says, in your seed, etc. Therefore he revealed to Jacob himself that he would be the father of Christ and that the Son of Man would be born from his seed. God did not speak this in vain. Indeed, he painted that picture of a ladder to comfort and console Jacob in faith in the future blessing just as above. Okay, I know for sure that this theologian comes after St. Augustine. <laughs> what gave it away? Well... Uh, that, or I guess it could be concurrent, a theologian quoting Augustine who like got, just got finished talking to him. It could. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, th- this is also, it looks like it's an exposition of Jacob's ladder, and this particular theologian takes us to Christ and puts forth Jesus as the best interpreter of the Scriptures, and that is wonderful, in fact. That's good that they do this. Uh, this theologian has a little bit of an animosity towards the, quote, interpreters, I think is what he called them, <laughs> uh, even though he says, in this point, they get it right. But he says, you can't always trust them. But it, it's beautiful, in fact, to, to have this consensus of the church that the dream that Jacob has when he goes to Bethel and he sleeps on the rock. You know, they think that they, you know, in Scotland, they think that they have that rock. It's <laughs> It's like built into some throne somewhere. The, the rock where Jacob had his dream and had this. And anyway, this expositor points out that this is it, throughout the history of the church has been interpreted um, to mean the two natures of Christ, the great second great mystery of the faith, the doctrine of the incarnation. And that's right, by the way. That's that's good. The church has always thought that. And the church has been right about that. But I, I don't I haven't narrowed it down yet. So I need some more. All right. Therefore, we must understand the angels in their proper meaning, as Christ calls them in John 1, 51. 
where he speaks of them as the angels of God, that is, the blessed ones. They ascend and descend on Christ or upon Christ. The latter signifies the ascent and the descent that are made by means of the latter and by means of the rungs. If you remove the latter, it signifies nothing else than the ascent and the descent. The angels, however, do not use a physical ladder or imaginary one. Nevertheless, there is, a, a, there is an ascent and a descent, that is, an angelic, an angelic ladder, so to speak. This is the principal meaning. Just as Christ himself explains the descent and the ascent of angels upon the Son of Man without a ladder. But what is this ascent and descent? I reply that it is the very mystery that in one and the same person there is true God and man. Accordingly, the unity of a person fulfills this mystery, and we believe, and we who believe, fulfill the word of Christ. You will see the angels ascending and descending. For we believe in the one Lord, his only begotten Son, born of the Virgin Mary, true God and man. This mystery is so great, so grand, so inexpressible, that the angels themselves cannot marvel at it enough, much less comprehend it. But as is stated in 1 Peter 1, these things into which angels long to look. For angels mm. cannot rejoice and marvel enough that the inexpressible union and unity of the most diverse natures, which they, uh, which they do not reach either by ascending or descending. If they lift up their eyes, they see the incom incomprehensible majesty of God above them. If they look down, they see God and divine majesty subjected to demons and to every creature. Oh, wow. <laughs> the divine majesty subjected to demons. Did you get that? Yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that we, when we talk about the history of theology, we normally say that the first part of the theology, you know, the first millennium, uh, was given over the meditation on the doctrine of the Trinity and the two natures of Christ. Then we say that the second millennium was given over to the doctrine of salvation. How does a person become saved? Well, that, by the way, hmm. is, a f is false. Uh, it might be true that there is an obsession of the doctrine of soteriology nowadays, uh, or a couple of that hundred years ago, and also a de-emphasis on the great mysteries of the Trinity and two natures. But that is not true during the period of Lutheran orthodoxy. Uh, the Lutheran and all the Lutheran teachers loved, loved, loved to talk about the mystery of the Incarnation, mm -hmm. and that is... Uh, being demonstrated in this. So I'm, you might have tempted me to think early church, but I don't think so. It's still quite open to any number of uh, Orthodox theologians. Well, so. I have one more paragraph for you. <clears throat> All right, see how we go. These are marvelous things, to see a man and the lowliest creature humbled below all, to see the same creature sitting at the right hand of the Father and raised above all the angels, and to see him in the bosom of the Father and soon subjected to the devil, as is stated in Psalms 8, 5, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Likewise, in Ephesians 4, 9, he has descended into the lower parts of the earth. This is a wonderful ascent and descent of the angels to see the highest and the lowest completely united in one, the same person, the highest God lying in a manger. Therefore, the angels adore him there, rejoice and sing glory to God in the highest. On the other hand, when they consider the lowliness of the human nature, they descend and sing and, and on earth peace. <laughs> so the ascent and descent is all summarized in the angels. And that's a great... The angels ascending and descending brought to the Christmas account. It's fantastic. I'm going to guess, just because this is both orthodox, interested in the two natures, 
uh, full of law and gospel and moving so fluidly between all of the different scriptures, I'm going to guess that this is your sermon from last Sunday. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you got it. And that's it, folks. Thanks for listening to this edition. <laughs> Oh, man. Either that or Martin Luther. <laughs> well, why can't it be both? I <laughs> yeah, uh, Luther's sermon last week, too. <laughs> you are right. It is Martin Luther himself. Um, is that from a sermon or from Genesis commentary? Genesis commentary uh, when uh, uh, Jacob lies on the rock. Now, uh, yep. this is fascinating because when everybody's talking about Jacob's ladder, they sing the song, and they sing... That they are climbing Jacob's ladder, which is ridiculous. <laughs> that, that's crazy. That that, that no one is climbing uh, up up this ladder to reach God, but it talks about angels ascending and descending. And the right. way that uh, this presented to us just here now is that 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 ascent and descent of the angels is nothing other than to the to the angels longing upon the two natures of Christ. That how could how could um, God who is from all eternity come into such low estate and do it for the salvation of men. That's right. Oof. I mean, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. That's beautiful stuff. Indeed it is. You don't find that kind of preaching with the neo-pagans. <laughs> oh, wait, what was your... Oh, I already got used your buzzword. Did you use my buzzword? No. Maggi. Oh, wait, the points joke is forthcoming, so maybe you are going to use it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. How, how much Sorry. time do I have to think of that? Um... Hey, the more. By the way, the more Luther, the better, and um, and so that uh, reminds me that we're reading Luther sermons these days, so ah, you can yes. listen to the Luther sermon podcast too. And um, one would obtain said great. podcast in what way? I don't know. I guess you go to the Hope Lutheran website, and we got a link on there. Hope dot org. We probably need a better website. We're working on it. <laughs> I've been telling you that for like ten years. <laughs> Yeah, someone else told me, and I, I believed them. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Oh, wait, we got to close out. Uh, before we close out, do give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the orthodoxy you learned from your neo-pagan religion. Profession. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Do you think Side the bad guy would be okay? No, even they thought psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung the cancer, order of the sun internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Only in the Missouri Synod.